Welcome to the Next Level Brands podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, brought to you as always by the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, you should be part of the Next Level Brands community. Courses, workshops, founder coaching, resources, networking, and a whole lot more. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's, nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Well, I'm Steve Clear, and we're going to spend some time today talking about purpose and mission. We don't have a food or beverage brand highlighted today, but we actually have dozens of them, of the hundreds to come that are going to be participating with and certified by the Upcycled Food Association. My guest is the co-founder of that group, Turner Wyatt. Turner is indeed mission-driven. As Upcycled is the fourth organization he has co-founded, along with Denver Food Rescue, Fresh Food Connect, and Bondadosa. He was named as one of the top emerging leaders in food and ag, the waste industry's 40 under 40, and currently serves as the CEO of the Upcycled Foods Association. Welcome to the program, Turner. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. So we just got back from Expo West, and oh my goodness... It was a whirlwind, man. <laughs> it was. Uh, you talk about pent up demand, but I was so happy to see a lot more out front stuff on plant based, a lot more out front stuff on sustainability, all, all of the, the, the good things. But one of the things I know that happens with our industry is we get catchphrases. So plant based, upcycled, whatever. Can you explain to us, first of all, what upcycled is? Then we'll talk about the association. Man, speaking of pent up, I feel like it was pent up hugs. Everyone was so excited to see each other in person. The people I have only met virtually were coming up and hugging me. And it was it was awesome just to be in the same space as everyone. And that yep. is one of the things I've been reflecting on after the show is just, you know, you bring people together and you can really create something special. And that's that's what Upcycled Food Association is is all about. And we're here to to provide a, a space for upcyclers to help their businesses grow, to help prevent food waste. And I know we're going to talk about the, the association more later. What is upcycling? That's the question. Like, what is yep. upcycled food? I mean, my the consumer answer is it's an easy way to prevent food waste with the products you buy. Right. Easy way to prevent food waste with the products you buy. Buy upcycled. So if you're a consumer, how do you prevent food waste? Well, first of all, take a step back. Why would you want to prevent food waste? Well, a bunch of reasons. The average American wastes 1500 bucks a year on food that they throw away. 99% of people agree that food waste is a problem. It also happens to be the number one single most effective solution to global warming, according to Project Drawdown. So there's tons of reasons why you would want to prevent food waste. So how do you do it as a person? I can bring my own food waste down to zero, Steve. Like if you're in my house... It's right. the clean plate club. <laughs> yeah. we, we finish everything on our plates and people take pride in that. But even if you don't let things go to waste at the back of your refrigerator or you don't you know, put your scraps in the trash instead of saving them for leftovers, your own waste is zero. There's still a ton, I should say billions of tons of food waste that occurs there out in the world that you can have no impact of because you never touch it. It's somewhere, it lives somewhere else in the food supply chain. And I'm speaking, of course, of all the byproducts of food manufacturing and of agriculture, that even if you reduce your own personal food waste to zero, it's still occurring out there. And what upcycling is, 
is it gives those ingredients new life, gives them a second chance by creating new higher value, nutritious, delicious products out of that otherwise wasted food. And you as a consumer can help contribute to that food waste prevention by purchasing those products, upcycled products. Right. And, and, you know, I, I think one of the better examples, you know, things like fruits, fresh fruits that don't get bought or are not necessarily the prettiest things in the world, but they're perfectly fine, but they can't meet that criteria of going on your grocer's produce section. Those are perfectly good, perfectly nutritious. There's nothing wrong with them. And a lot of them get buried, literally thrown away. Some of them maybe get used for cattle feed or whatever, but others just simply get tossed. And why, you know, let talk about reuse that or spent grains was a, another one of huge industry of this stuff that basically just gets buried somewhere, but which is perfectly good and still nutritious, even after it's been, you know, in the mash and stuff, it's fine. There's no problem with it. We can use it for other things and it has calories. It has nutrients. It, let's do this. It sounds like a good thing to do. You started out and we talked real quick about in Denver, you started out actually in food waste recovery, right? So actual stuff that you went out and got and moved to other places. How did that work? So, yeah, I was the CEO uh, executive director. We called it of Denver Food Rescue, small community-based health equity-focused food rescue organization in my hometown, Denver, Colorado. And we did the -the run-of-the-mill food rescue thing. We picked up food that would have otherwise gone to waste at grocery stores because the grocery store has said, oh, this, you know, this isn't going to sell because it's bruised or it's blemished or, you know, the code date, the expiration date is coming up in a few days and you got to get rid of it. It's still perfectly nutritious, beautiful in my eyes, but the grocery store doesn't meet their standards. And so they have to donate it. We pick it up and we deliver it to low-income families experiencing food insecurity. So it's kind of a great way of reducing food waste and preventing food insecurity. And that work is really great, really meaningful. And unfortunately, any food rescuer will tell you that they end up with way too much bread, sweets, pastries, donuts, bagels, zucchinis. We get too many zucchinis when it's zucchinis. Oh my God. That's right. It's like, help me. Yep. Yeah. What the heck do we do with all these donuts? And so we started doing things out of that, you know, the waste that we were having to compost as the food rescue organization to make more money as an organization. So we, we partnered up with a brewery, local bakery, and we brewed the excess bread into beer and sold that beer at, at expensive Denver restaurants and made a bunch (laughs) of money for our organization. And so upcycling at that time was for me, it was more about let's create ways for these cash strapped food rescue nonprofits to create more value, more financial independence for themselves. But of course there's this whole industry out there now of for-profit businesses that are doing it, which I think is excellent because for-profit businesses can really scale very quickly. And what we need are businesses that can scale very quickly relative to nonprofits. They, you know, if you find, if you develop a product that just peak consumers absolutely love, you can sell a lot of it in a short period of time and therefore prevent a lot of food waste over a short period of time. And that's really what we have to do because the UN and the U.S., have said that to avoid the worst effects of climate change, we need to have food waste by 2030, okay, eight years from now, which means we basically have to figure out what to do with more than a billion tons of food waste every year 
in just a handful of years. So we really need solutions, not only that scale, but scale quickly. And that's what's so exciting about the upcycled world. So you went from recycling bread into beer to the idea of Upcycled Food Association. How did that grow? How'd that come about? Well, when I was leaving Denver Food Rescue, I was starting to think about what am I going to do next? I can't just be a ski bum. At least that's <laughs> no. what I thought. Of course, the answer is that I could just be a ski bum. And I was successful at that for, for a little bit too. And, you know, eventually pretty soon after leaving Denver Food Rescue, I started networking with a bunch of, a bunch of people in the upcycling space and just meeting them, informational interviews. You know, I met the guys from Barnana and Renewal Mill and Regrained and Imperfect Foods. You know, there are these kind of brands that were just getting started, getting more attention. They were talking about the fact that their products were upcycled. And so I, I was in the food waste space. I thought their products and their businesses were interesting. I started just networking with them. And they all said the same thing. We need more connection between all these businesses. We're right. all doing the same thing but no one's talking about it. We're all talking about upcycling, but in marginally different ways. We need standardization. We need organization. We need collaboration. And so what Upcycled Food Association was born from, really this, this group of nine ten businesses came together in 2019 and formed the organization, Upcycled Food Association, themselves. I was just really an innocent bystander of the movement that was taking shape on its own. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, so I got pinned uh, with the role of, of CEO and I'm happy to, to still have that role today, a couple of years later. And um, ultimately it was just a matter of, you know, these businesses saying we, we need that. We need a third party central organization to advocate for the movement of upcycling generally. And from 2019 to now, pandemic notwithstanding, what's been the reaction from the industry? The reaction in the industry has been tremendous. The organization has been around for just over two years, and we've grown to a network of about 200 businesses across more than 15 countries. So it's a huge network of small businesses, a lot of startups, but also some of the biggest food companies in the world, Dole, Target, Del Monte, Mondelez, U.S. Foods, you know, yep. the, the really big players uh, across the supply chain who are saying, you know what, we want, we all have sustainability goals. All these big companies have very ambitious greenhouse gas emissions prevention and yep. food waste and sustainability goals. How the hell are we going to actually accomplish these goals. They're all kind of scrambling, figuring out how. And the reality is they, I don't think they realized that there was this huge opportunity for them to not only accomplish the goals, but also make more money at the same time. And that is what has propelled the upcycling industry to grow so quickly. Is that because as opposed to most sustainability efforts, which involve a company paying to reclaim some damage it's caused on the environment. Upcycling is all about creating more value, more profit out of the problem that you were causing in the environment. Take the waste and turn it into, into more That's money. Better. Right. Which is which really, really appeals to to for-profit businesses. And um so in addition to to growing this huge network of of uh companies all around the world, we've also created the world's first and only 
certification standard, product certification for upcycled products. And it's called Upcycled Certified. And it is a third-party verified product certification, both for consumer products and B2B ingredients that help ensure that consumers have trust in the fact that this product is upcycled and helps them understand what does that mean? It means that there is a meaningful impact on food waste prevention that's associated with that product. And as a consumer, when I buy that product, I'm having a meaningful impact on food waste prevention. Yeah. And, and I thought, you know, a, a couple of things. One is you mentioned some of the larger players and, and having in, in the past in my career worked with several of them. I can imagine this whole sustainability effort is one of those great C-suite ideas that somebody upstairs adapts and comes back down to the group of poor brand managers and assistant brand managers. Oh, by the way, by 2030, we're going to be, you know, so get going. And and you still have your quarterly uh, your goals to meet, but you were going to do this. I could just see it now. I just see him going, well, well wait a minute. What, what are we going to do? It's like, you know, we'll start sourcing some recyclable packaging, you know, but that's going to drive the, co- I, I can see it happening, but good that they do it that, that way. And also that some retailers have also jumped on that bandwagon in the same way. Their marketing departments have said, oh no, we're going to highlight sustainability of products. And the buyers are going, what? I'm, not, I'm looking for a margin. I'm not looking for sustainability. And But eventually that's how it happens. And you know we kind of need it to happen that way. That's the best description of a C-suite imposed sustainability plan that I have ever heard. And I think that's right on. And I think upcycling is totally the answer to that where you can, in it's rare, but it can exist that you have true alignment between sustainability goals and profitability. You right. can have margins and be doing the right thing for the environment at the same time. You just have to design it into the system because what you described is it's when something is being imposed from the top down, that's not going to work. But if you can design profitability and sustainability into the DNA of a product, that's where their real impact and, and profit's going to be made. So anyway, I, I really appreciate that explanation. No problem. So, Thank you. So for our, in our partnerships with retailers, it's been super exciting because we've kind of brought that same breath of fresh air to them, I think, in that in the same way, retailers have made these really, really loud and ambitious and urgent plans to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. But they're they're no different than the big brands. They have no idea how they're going to get that done. And so upcycling goes to retailers in the same way that it goes to big brands. And it says, hey, you can actually accomplish these two things at the same time, profitability and sustainability. And the way that you can do that is by simply stocking your shelves or your e-commerce platform with upcycled products. Or many retailers have their own private label products by using upcycled ingredients in your own private label products. We can come back to that too. But for retailers, it's, you know, shelf space is a scarce and finite commodity. And you can choose to fill your shelves as a retailer in any way that you please. And the way that you, the decisions that you make while you're filling those shelves have great impact on the experience of consumers on the, certainly the experience of the brands. And as it turns out, the experience on and the impact on the environment. And so if 
retailers have so much disproportionately great power in our food system because they are that they have so much face time with consumers. They're that last line of defense with consumers. And so with a consumer centered problem like food waste, they are always going to be the most important, but luckily they have some of the most to gain from upcycling as well, because as consumers demand for upcycled products increases and it's increasing, they are the ones who can get on the bandwagon, start stocking their shelves with upcycled products, make a lot of money and do the right thing for the environment at the same time by making room for these food waste fighting upcycled products on their shelves. In, in some ways, Turner, it's probably going to be a lot like, I think, to a certain extent, my memory, organic and gluten-free were, which is when products started coming to market, a lot of times there were displays of organic products. Some retailers actually went so far as to have whole organic sections. And then eventually, as that became more mainstream and more popular, the organic stuff just moved into the the, the same line with everybody, you know, taking the other, the other shelf space. Exactly. Um, you know, and uh, but they also can do a lot to to help in the education part of it with the consumer as to what an upcycle product is, why it is beneficial, because people are in there making the decision about it. And, uh, you know, it's that touchy feely. I'm there. I'm going to decide what I'm going to buy. So I'm going to see it. So I think that's a great, uh, great yeah, idea. Um, absolutely. And you started, you started, the association started obviously with some brands that you mentioned. And then uh, how have you guys grown? sense what's your what are you kind of up to now in terms of members and certification so we're up to about 200 members all around the world mainly in north america but a lot in europe southeast asia latin america i mean truly all over the world and these brands are at various stages many of them have lots of SKUs of upcycled products already many of them are just getting started many of them are these big brands that are figuring out how to integrate upcycled ingredients into their new products. It's pretty easy. They just, instead of using a conventional starch or conventional fat, sugar, whatever fiber, they're using an upcycled version. And, you know, 40% of what we do generally in our industry is B2B ingredients. So it's not all these, you know, just all the shiny products that you saw on our, on the shelves of our booth at Expo West. It's also the B2B ingredients. And Many companies that don't care at all about upcycling necessarily are being a you know big part of the movement just by including upcycled ingredients into their new formulation when they're developing new products. So that's a that's a big thing that's for going on for us. We're growing membership. We're growing upcycled certified. We just started upcycled certified about nine months ago, and we have about two hundred products yeah. certified so far, which is a good start. It's it's about half of the products that we know are within our membership that could get certified. But what's really impressive is the fact that these products, when taken as an aggregate, you look at the number of pounds of food waste that they are preventing, and you add them all up. And on an annual basis, these two hundred products are preventing over 800 million pounds of food waste. Wow. 340 something thousand tons, 340,000 tons plus 800 million pounds of food waste every year. And that's just half of the products that we know are already in our membership, much less the products that are cropping up all the time because of all this growth in the upcycled industry. So there's a huge, huge environmental impact that we're seeing 
And another exciting thing that we're developing that we recently launched with our partner Refed, another food waste organization, great organization that's been around for a number of years. We launched this program called the Food Waste Funder Circle, which is essentially a membership program for investors. And what it does, it's a free program and it allows investors to go on and receive a monthly newsletter about all the businesses in the food waste industry that are seeking funding, whether they're seeking loans or selling equity or whatever, you can go on and get this deal flow report that right. helps you yeah. understand the really the breadth of the food waste industry and who all is looking for funding. And what we're seeing is that there's every month, there's dozens of new companies that are fundraising tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars needed. And with the explosive growth that we're seeing in the food waste industry, it's a huge opportunity for investors as well. And if, and if you're, you know, a lot of our audience are, you know, fellow entrepreneurs. And if you're starting out with a food product, a beverage product, or if you've got a line started already, including upcycle cycle items in your uh, formulas can be huge. It can be profitable in terms of reducing some of your costs. And I think being upcycled certified is going to give you a real leg up as you, as you go forward. I mean, just, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I walk into the halls of Expo West and no offense, Steve, I really don't mean this uh, to be offensive at all, but you see these entrepreneurs who are launching a bottled water company or a bar company or and it's just like how is there room for another bottled water and you just wonder like another man these bar. guys have something yeah. they must have something totally dialed they must have some secret sauce that that really makes them unique to think that they're out there raising money and they're you know convincing retailers and investors that they're going to make a a big impact and they're going to sell a lot of this product and so the point is that like you it's so crowded. It is so crowded out there in the world now. And you need things to give you some leg up. And right now, a really easy, straightforward, profitable way to do that is to just include upcycled ingredients in your formula. There's You look at the, the website, upcycledfood.org, and we have an ingredient finder right on the website. It shows right. all the upcycled, upcycled certified ingredients. And you'll notice there's sweeteners, there's there's pulps, there's juice pulps, there's essences and oils and fats and starches and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's it it's one to one. Instead of using a conventional version of any of those ingredients that you need, just use an upcycled ingredient. And then I'm sure you have other things that uh, distinguish you and make you unique about your product too. But here's another one. Now you get to make these really powerful third-party verified claims around food waste prevention, around CO2 emissions prevention. And you get to be a part of this growing community and movement of businesses and, and consumers around the world that are working together to prevent food waste. So it's a really important way right now to stand out, to stand out of that crowd. Yeah, and get that and get that recognition. So from an organizational standpoint, now. Besides you, you've got a, a group of people working and whatever. And how are you managing to handle the growth? And and how how do you think it's going to grow over the next five years? Just hanging on for dear life, Steve. <laughs> it's been it's been like rowing a boat downstream. We I've been like I said, this has done a number of previous businesses and nonprofits before, and many of them have been successful, but none have 
felt like this. I mean, it really feels like now is the moment in time for upcycling to happen. And here we are right at the center of it. And we're so grateful for all of our partners and donors and sponsors and everyone who makes that possible. You know, we're just a nonprofit. So we depend on the the fact that we exist shows that people want us to exist because they're willing to, to donate their money to, to invest their money in us. And and so where do we see this going? We, we see continued growth. We have a new partnership with Spins that will give a lot better numbers to just how consumers are actually spending on upcycled mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. What does the data say? What do the numbers say about the sales of these products? Is it increasing? How much? How much compared to non-upcycled products? Things like that. And I think we're going to see that consumer awareness is going to grow a lot. Consumer demand for upcycled products is going to grow a lot. You you made the comparison to organic or gluten-free or non-GMO plant-based. I agree. And I think that upcycled could be even bigger. Why? Because you look at any of those other those other attributes, no offense, you know, I I choose plant-based products all the time. I choose uh, organic products all the time. And it can be a little political. You know, when you buy an organic product or a non-GMO product, you're taking market share away from a conventional product. But that's not true with upcycling. You buy an upcycled product and everyone wins because everyone has an opportunity to be involved with this movement because everyone in the food industry has waste that they can commercialize and make money off of and do the right thing and, and have an impact on food waste and sustainability. And so... It really is a win. It's a unique win-win-win. 99% of people agree that food waste is a problem. 95% of people say they'll they're willing to do something in their own lives to prevent food waste. So that's unique considering that it's the number one solution to global warming. You would think that the number one solution would be something totally political like, and stop radical. driving your car. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like global carbon tax or, you know, yeah. no, no, you can only drive five miles a day or something super radical like that. No, it's food waste. And that's something that everyone agrees on. And so it's this huge opportunity in alignment. And um, so I think that we're working towards our vision, which is a vision that will sound familiar because we've seen it take place with other attributes in our consumer product system before and like organic, we're just going to do it a little bit faster is an upcycle product in every aisle of every grocery store. That's what we want to see an upcycle product in every aisle of every grocery store. Organic at this point is ubiquitous. They're all, they're all throughout the grocery store. Yep. Like a barbecue sauce. There's a conventional one and an organic one. Well, in a handful of years, the same will be true for upcycle. There will be a can, you know, a conventional one, quote unquote, whether it's organic or not organic, you know, conventional, and there will be an upcycled version of it. Why wouldn't there be? Because the barbecue sauce manufacturer is going to say, we have sustainability goals too. Can yep. our, our customers be sustainable too, right? And so how are we going to accomplish our goals? Well, we can accomplish our goals just by including this upcycled sugar or tomato uh, paste or whatever it is in, in our product. And so I think that's something that we're going to see in the very near future is an upcycled product in every aisle of every grocery store. I, I think by, I think certainly by, and we are able to do this so that we can air the air at the first time on earth day, but by next earth day, 
I think you'll have at least one major chain that will be touting the fact that they have upcycle products in every aisle in the store. I, I don't I don't see a way they can avoid that. It's too it's too exciting. There's too much spotlight on it now. And it's not hard to accomplish. There's other things that maybe, you know, I got a diesel fleet and I got to figure out how to that, that's a little tougher than saying there's 200 upcycled products out there. And, and how many you'll have certified by next year, goodness knows. But it'll be like, okay, so fine. I've got a cereal, I've got a couple of bars, I've got right beverage. Yeah, it should be should be a, an accomplishable task with not not any issue, I think. I think we'll be right. celebrating that. Yeah. I let's come back next to Earth Day, Steve, and we will we will verify your prediction. Yeah. And you're gonna have to make your booth bigger at Expo because you don't have enough room for all the people that are certified as it is now. Man, so, we were we were thinking about that, you know, at the end of Expo, they make you go upstairs and pick your booth for the next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Six hours, and we were looking at each other like, is is a 10 by 20 going to be big enough for next year? We're already having all of our members say, well, you should go bigger because then we could have like a full grocery store installation and people you'd be able to have hundreds of products in there and stuff. Our, our booth was pretty cool. We had 35 upcyclers all featured. Yep. It was it's great. Grocery store shelf setup thing. And uh, hopefully some retailers saw it and, and had that thought of like, oh man, this is what it's going to look like in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and definitely, definitely the way it should be. One of the things I think that with consumers and, and sometimes even with people who are, who are making products, entrepreneurs is not a real understanding necessarily of some of the ingredient things and what happens with ingredients. So going back to, and in, in one of the members that, that I work with is, is Sunrise Fresh Dried Fruit. And when you go to see fresh fruit processing, you have beautiful pieces of fruit and stuff coming off, whether it's cherries or peaches or nectarines or whatever. And as those are harvested, don't want to break the bad news to Americans, but you guys don't ever see those. They're gone. They go to Asia. And the reason they go to Japan and Korea and Taiwan and China is because they are willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money for a piece of fruit that physically looks absolutely dead on beautiful, an 11 out of 10. Then as you start to go down, then the number twos are the, are the bees, if you will. They're still beautiful. They're not blemished or anything. That's what appears in American grocery stores as fresh. Now, if you're going to go buy your frozen, canned, dried fruit, that fruit wasn't necessarily the best looking fruit on the tree. That's already, that's already been disseminated. Then as you go down the line, you go to things like jams, where jams and jellies, where it really doesn't make much difference at all. If, you know, sometimes you'll grow like a dual cherry, they'll grow two cherries in one and they're really cool, but those, they don't like to have those in retail and they won't have them in, in Asian markets. So there's all this, this proliferation going down the line, they keep getting used. And then if I'm going to use it as a nutraceutical and enhancer in my, my food, which I can use, like for instance, blueberries is a great one for it is I don't need those blueberries to be gorgeous. There's no, there's no problem there. They are, they are nutritious. They contain all of the, you know, all of the, the great, you know, the great nutrients and all of the beta carotene and all the other great things. So that's fine. And I think people go, well, you know, I don't know about, you know, eating something or having something as an ingredient that's upside. They already are because if those, those ingredients would have not, they would have been thrown out. They would have been buried. They might have been used as fertilizer or cattle feed if somebody was really being proficient about the waste element. But if not, they're just gone. And, and so it's great to be able to, to turn that around. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's one of the common misconceptions is that the product is being upcycled because it's close to expiration when it's not. I mean, an ugly blueberry, misshapen blueberry or the like dual cherry thing is you know, it's just as fresh. You pick it off the tree and it's just as fresh right. as a beautiful cherry that you're going to send to Asia. It's not going to expire sooner. It's really not even lower quality and, you know, the fact that it's quote unquote lower quality is completely arbitrary. And, you know, to be safe, sure, stew it up into a jam or something. But it's absolutely right that upcycled products are just as high quality. They go through all of the same rigorous food safety regulations, everything. It's just using a different type of ingredient, a different labeled, differently labeled ingredient. Ingredient. Yeah. Did you, on, on getting back to pandemic for a second, there's a lot of talk about the fact that many things got accelerated during the pandemic, including people's awareness of what they're putting into their body and therefore label reading and just just total awareness, a little bit more of kind of health and what am I putting into my, not sticking a needle necessarily, the vaccine question, but more the whole health question, the whole sustainability question, all those things seem to accelerate it. Do you think that's part of the reason Upcycles has also gained popularity so quickly? I think so. I think that I think that's true. I read I read uh, one note from I think New Hope from a couple years ago, or at least a year ago, right after the pandemic, and they were they were finding that consumers actually cared more about sustainability and about the conditions under which the people who grew, prepared, processed their food were living, working after the pandemic than before the pandemic. So in times of stress, when people are, you know, going into poverty and experiencing homelessness at unprecedented rates and, you know, people are losing their jobs, all of a sudden Americans are caring more about other people and the conditions that they're working in and the the condition of the environment than they did before when everything was happy-go-lucky, supposedly. So I think that says that people are just kind of waking up to the fact that you know, this is happening right now. Climate change is happening right now. We have eight years to accomplish, you know, 2030, back when some of these goals were written, it was in the, you know, beyond the horizon future. And now, you know, it's, we're happening right around the corner and we got to do something right now. And so I think people are kind of waking up to that. I think with food waste in particular, everyone was at home. And we were all cooking at home and making our sourdoughs and we were more exposed to our food system because we were our food system instead of the, you know, the deli down the street or the barista making our coffee. It's like we were doing those things for ourselves more than maybe ever before. And so we were, you know, it was harder to avoid the problems. If you saw yourself putting so much food day after day into the trash or the compost, even that starts to wear on you. I think there's something kind of inherently human around food waste in particular. It makes sense that in evolution, we would learn to not waste food. People who wasted food would be selected out by natural selection, right? Because there, you know, wasn't enough to go around or whatever. So I think, I think just by you know, food waste in many ways is at its core, a disconnection between people and their food. It's a disconnection between, which is just another way of saying it's a disconnection between people because the food and people are inextricably connected. 
you can't have one without the other in the modern sense. Anytime you're touching a food product, you're really touching a food product, consuming a food product that hundreds or thousands of other people around the world conspired to provide for you. And so to let that go to waste, not only are you letting all of the carbon emissions associated with growing and transporting and retailing that food go to waste as well, but you're really letting this spirit go to waste, this globally collaborative spirit uh, that is connected in a technological world. It's one of the only ways that we're truly connected to the earth and to each other. And so I think there's something kind of deep down that calls us to keep that connection alive. And, and one of the ways that we can do that is by not wasting food. And, and that and that awareness, certainly during the pandemic, two generations of Americans for the first time walked into a grocery store and saw shelves that were empty. Nobody ever said, what, what is it? I mean, granted, part of it was, of course, paper products, but a lot of part was, you know, ramen noodles, soups, other things. What do you mean? There's no cream of mushroom soup. That's impossible. There's cream of mushroom soup everywhere. And it was that all of a sudden the awareness of, wow, there's a supply chain here and there's a larger picture you know, we, we need to be become more aware of that. So I want to make sure everybody gets, if you are a food producer out there and you're interested in, in, in ingredients and understanding more about how upcycled food works, you can go to upcycledfood.org, .com.org, and uh, go to Product Locator and get more information. If you're interested in getting certified, which I certainly hope you are, um, you can find information there in the, in the same place. Turner, let me ask you, we... A lot of our audience is fellow entrepreneurs. One of the things that we do is we try to look for a little inspiration and wisdom and stuff from folks who are out there doing it every day. We call that uh, section words to grow by. And it can be a word, it can be a phrase, it can be a favorite quote from somebody. Do you have something for us today that you want to share? Let's see. So here's something I, you know, speaking of the connections that we build together, you know, we were just at Expo West, Steve, and we saw the energy that was there and it's created when you actually physically bring people together. And, oh my gosh, I can't believe I haven't met all these people on my team. And I, you know, I'm so grateful to be around real physical human beings in the real world again. And one way that, that I've been thinking and talking a lot about recently to, to kind of keep that alive in our daily lives is by saying grace around the dinner table. doesn't have to be a religious grace. I'm not religious. It can be just a simple statement of gratitude, but it's sort of right, like right, this yeah. centering and it's this pause before enjoying food, hopefully with friends or family and taking a second to really think about the whole food supply chain and all of those people who you know, maybe weren't living under the working under the best conditions just to make it so that you could eat here today. And isn't it worth taking a second and kind of being grateful for that? And so that's, that's something that I'm, that I'm thinking. And my hypothesis is that if more people kind of took that moment to almost meditate over their food before consuming it, we would probably waste less food too. So if anyone is willing to nice. to put that to the test, I would be eager to learn the result. I, I, be, I bet it would work. I bet it would work. Great. Yeah. Well, Turner, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I know you're really busy. Got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of follow-up from, from Expo. Uh, we're going to be doing some stuff. I want to uh, obviously support the organization as much as I can. I believe in the mission and uh, what you guys have been doing is great. So I just uh, so glad we could get, get, get together and do this. And we'll bring it back for an update maybe next year. And we'll be talking about a lot bigger companies, a lot more companies at that point in time, I'm sure. 
I'm sure of it, Steve. Thanks to your premonition. I'm sure of it. Thanks for having me on. Really, really great time. No problem, Turner. And thanks to the rest of you for joining us out there at another Next Level Brands podcast. Our podcast is sponsored by Next Level Brands Community. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. We're always grateful for the feedback and comments we get. If you have an idea for a show or a special guest or a particular topic, feel free to reach out and let us know. And if you're enjoying the show, please follow us, take a moment to subscribe, and more important, refer us to your friends. After all, the more the merrier. I'm Steve Clear. I'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.